Welcome to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Today we'll hear from lead pastor Dave Carroll as he teaches the next message in our series, Dropkick Me Jesus, Through the Goalposts of Life. Let's join him now. Well, here we are, continuing the series, Dropkick Me Jesus, Through the Goalposts of Life. And how many of you think that Pastor Fred needs an encore uh, of uh, the country song? <clears throat> Maybe we have to break that out. And uh, he's going to kill me. He may be preaching next week because I'll be dead. And uh, I don't know. Maybe that may not happen. I, it was hard enough to get the first one going. But, uh, but today as we continue, we deal with a very important subject. It's the subject of emptiness. This world can suck us dry, can't it? It can leave us empty and wanting. And I remember uh, growing up, as a chubby kid, <laughs> as one who always had to shop in the husky section. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you don't. If you don't, you can praise the Lord for that, okay? <laughs> but I remember growing up as a chubby kid, always struggling with my weight. And by the way, there might be some of you in here who struggle with your weight. And, I, you know, it's not something that I've conquered and some, sometimes where I fall into sin. But, but know that I'm trying very hard uh, in that area. But as, as I've grown up, I've discovered it's harder and harder to keep weight off. Can I get an amen? amen? It's harder and harder. But here's what I've also discovered. The more I eat, the less fulfilled I become in my struggle with weight. I'll sit down and I'll eat a big meal, and it'll seem filling at first. But then the next morning when I step on the scale, mmm. It's not so fulfilling. As a matter of fact, I can grow bigger and bigger and bigger and never be fulfilled. Do you follow what I'm saying? But yet in our faith, we seek a checklist of things that we can check off and tell God we did, tell our spouse we did, tell our kids that we did, that we can tell ourselves that we've done. And we do more and more and more and more stuff hoping to be fulfilled in this life. But yet we're coming up empty. There are people who are attending church whose marriages are crumbling. There are people who are trying really hard to turn on Caleb in the car, but yet their kids are still walking away from God and saying, can I still listen to Kanye? You know what I'm saying? There are people who are trying to read their Bible, maybe take notes in a, on a sermon, and yet they walk out and they say, my situation hasn't changed. Why isn't this working? Have you ever been there? Where you felt your faith wasn't working? Where you thought, but I think I'm doing it all. Why do I not feel satisfied? Why do I not feel fulfilled in this life? And it's because we've come, for those of us who have come to faith in Christ, we've come to faith in Christ, and we've hoped and prayed that one moment would make earth fulfilling for us. But here's the truth. That one moment saves you for heaven. But this beatitude has a great answer. It has an answer to the problem of emptiness. It has an answer to the problem of satisfaction. And as we dive in today, the people here in Matthew chapter 5, the people who are sitting on the mountain with Jesus felt just like you. 
They were doing godly things. They were trying to follow a lot of rules, check off a lot of boxes, but they were coming up empty. Why? Because the people sitting on the mountainside were steeped in Judaism. And Judaism was waiting for a Messiah, waiting for the Savior to come. They didn't realize that on the mountain, it was him who was teaching. And they had heard from their parents, from their grandparents. They were taught in schools that the Messiah would come. And guess what? To this point, to their knowledge, Jesus had not come back yet. And you have to think about this. Much like we think about the second coming. Is Jesus ever coming back? Jesus, when are you coming back? So they were thinking about the first coming. And then there were these guys called the Pharisees who who trekked in to the picture and made a list of rules and regulations that only they could follow and everyone else was struggling. And so people were beginning to say, I wonder, I wonder if this thing called faith really works. I have good news for you today. You want to hear some good news? This is the good news. Look at Matthew chapter 5. In verse 6, Scripture has an answer to the problem of emptiness. It says this, Blessed, the name that God calls you. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for, what's the word? Say it with me. Righteousness. For they shall be what? filled. Do you want to know how to be fulfilled in this life? Do you want to know satisfaction? It all starts with your hunger and your thirst. Here's your first blank if you're taking notes today. And if you're new, you can turn your program around to the back side and follow along and write in. There are even some scriptures there that we may read that you can follow along with. This beatitude is asking us to do something. This is what God is asking the believer to do. It asks me to realize God's expectations on my life. I have to understand that when I came to Christ, yes, salvation was a free gift, but afterward, God has great expectations on our life. Don't you want to serve a God who truly expects a standard that's worth living for? This is our God. He expects it of us, and he not only expects us to rise to his standard, but he wants us to realize his righteousness, his perfection, his right standing with God. Now, this is hard for a few different groups of people. If you're if you're a person who's never come to faith in Christ before, you don't even know that God's standard exists. And you have to cross the line of faith today to even begin to experience this beatitude. In other words, just church attendance by itself will not leave you satisfied. You have to cross the line of faith, and then you begin to see how God fulfills your life through every circumstance. But there's a second group of people, and this is the largest group of people in the room, that realizing God's expectation becomes difficult for. Here's your next blank. It's church people. Church people. Funny enough, this beatitude is only for believers, right? 
that we can be filled, but yet we have the hardest time doing it, and we have the greatest access to God's righteousness. But it's hard to hunger and thirst, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I remember being young, I used to love the measuring tape. I'd go into the garage, and I'd pull this measuring tape out, and uh, I I would probably pull it up to about four feet or, or about as high as my hand could hold it, right? And I would like to put, I'd put myself up against, and I'd put my hand on my head. Anybody done that before? Up against the tape? I'd put my hand on, the head, on my head, and then I would match it to the tape measure. And I would go, wow, I'm three foot nine today. And I would celebrate, right? Then I'd get a little older. Some of you may have done this marking the wall just to have a contest. You don't even know how, how high it was in the measurement. You just hope you were taller than your brother or sister or your mom, right? I know my oldest son gets excited because uh, he's fast approaching being taller than Amy. And so uh, as time goes on, I would raise it up. And now I would look and I would say, oh, I'm six foot one, 275 pounds. Sign me up for the NFL, baby. (laughs) Y'all, those didn't work out, right? Those dreams didn't work out. But here's what happened. When I was rapidly growing... I love the measuring stick. But once I gained my adult height and I realized, I might shrink. I might even only grow another half inch my whole life. Can I tell you that today is the first time I've put a measuring tape up to my head with with my hand on it? In fact, anymore, when I go to the doctor, they put the scale in front of me and the the ruler to measure my height, and I just say, no, thanks. I'll just tell you. And they, and they say, but you got to get on. And you know what happens when we stop growing? We don't want to know the standard anymore. You see, this is why we want to become a church of participators. You may say, but I'm just used to church where I get to come and sit and watch and go home. But it's hard for church people because When we first come to Christ, we start growing, and the measuring tape is getting pulled and pulled out more and more, but as the years go by, we get stale in our walk with God, and when we get stale in our walk with God, it sounds like this, my expectations on God's church. Wow, is the music too loud? Is it too soft? Is the service too late or too early? Wow, how come they're not offering my small group material that I wanted? Uh, How about... Uh, why is Pastor Dave so crazy up on stage, right? Why does he have a measuring tape? Hey, why do they not put the words to the main passage on the screen? Um, hey, I, I think they were a little too friendly. I think six people shook my hand, and uh, I really, really am comfortable with three. You know what I'm saying? We start getting inward-focused, and we drop the standard of God's righteousness. And do you know what God's standard is for the church? God's standard is this that the kingdom of God advances through his people. Every time, that's his standard. You see, we need to leave these silly questions about comfortableness in church and start asking the right questions. What are the right questions? You may want to write this down. It's not on the screen. But questions of faith, like, God, where will you use our church next? God, where will we send our next pastor God, where will I serve next to impact at a greater level? Maybe I'm shaking hands at the door, but I need to find someone who can do that so I can go down and teach a kid about Jesus. So that I'm not comfortable, 
but that the kingdom of God advances because that is God's righteousness. That is God's standard, that his kingdom advances. And here's the truth. He wants to use you. He wants to use me to do it, but we got to pull the measuring tape back out on our lives. This is what it means to hunger and thirst for righteousness because when you pull it back out, you start to say, oh, I don't think I'm measuring up to who God wants me to be. And can I tell you, if, the, if you're in that place today and you're saying, I'm not where I need to be, I'm not where I used to be, or I don't even know how to get there, can I tell you this? You're in the best place ever because people who recognize the standard and they, they know they're not there, these are the people who can get hungry for righteousness. I'm going to clear everything out of the way. I'm going to rearrange my priorities, and I'm going to pursue the standard so people who aren't there but know they're not there and see the goal of, of God's right relationship with us and what it looks like, these people are blessed. Notice in the scripture, it did not say, blessed are those who are already righteous. Didn't say that, did it? It said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's the main course. It won't make you spiritually fat. It will make you spiritually healthy. And so today, I want to give you three places that really all of life can be condensed to these three areas if we really stop and think about it. Three areas where we have to begin to pursue the righteousness of God. Number one, prayer. Prayer. This is the very first area that a person who is hungering and thirsting after righteousness will address in their life. Now, think about this for a second. We pray some pretty cheap prayers, don't we? We really do. We pray, we pray a lot of layups. <laughs> God, help me feel better this week. And I'm not saying you shouldn't pray for your health. But I'm just saying that tends to be the, the top, right? If we're really putting the measuring stick up against prayer, are we really praying prayers that show a hunger and thirst for righteousness? For God's kingdom. This huh, is where righteousness says the content, circle that word content, the content of my prayers to God changes drastically when I pursue righteousness. Listen to Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. When you pray, don't babble on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. Your Father in heaven knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. But yet we tend to pray prayers of needs we have that God already knows what we need. And he's saying, on my time, kid, on my time. Just hang out for a second. So we have to stop praying the gimmies. Stop praying for the better me. And when we pursue righteousness, we begin to pray for things in God's kingdom. You may want to turn, but if you know it, you don't have to turn. It's Matthew chapter 6, verses um, 9 through 13. We have the Lord's Prayer. It says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, right? There's Jesus' model prayer, glorifying the name of God. Your kingdom come, your will be done, right? We talk about the will of the Lord being done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread. There's the earthly need, right? The daily bread we all need to eat, don't we? Anybody else not need to eat? Man, I wish I could be like you. All right. I need some ribs, right? And then it says, forgive us as we forgive others, right? Spiritual, right? That's a spiritual request. And then he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the devil, right? Is dealing with the spiritual temptation of sin. And then some manuscripts in, in the original manuscripts say, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Kingdom. Let's just condense it. That was four-part spiritual, kingdom-oriented prayers, one part earthly. Can I ask you a question? If you were to dissect your prayer life, how many parts spiritual, how many parts earthly? Hmm. If you're grimacing right now, I want you to know that as I studied, I grimaced (laughs) in private. You see, if we could have a magic wand and apply righteousness and hunger and thirst for God's righteousness to our prayer life, if you could have a magic wand, let me ask you, if God came down today and met you and he answered every prayer you've ever prayed, every prayer, think about that for a second. If he answered every prayer you've ever prayed, what would happen? How miraculous would it be? Would grandma's cold go away? Would you uh, be able to pay the electric bill now? Those are good things. Don't stop praying for them. God cares about your needs. But you want to know what? Kingdom people who pursue righteousness, if their prayers were answered, their sons and daughters would turn into mighty people of God. If we prayed righteous prayers, God would use our business to impact people for his kingdom. And we would see people come to know him through our work on Monday through Saturday. If we were kingdom people, praying kingdom prayers, hungering for God's righteousness, we might end up in a place that we never dreamed, trying to obey God. We might see hungry people fed. We might see hurting people healed. We might see unity in our families if we would pray prayers of righteousness and hunger and thirst for God's kingdom. You know, one of the things I've begun to pray for Elevation Church is that uh, this building would not be the end of us, that this would not be the goal, and that there would be churches planted, that there would be pastors raised, that there would be people fed, that there would be people that know God's word better, praying kingdom prayers. But there's a big roadblock in the next place that we have to apply. Remember, I told you three areas that you can sum up all of life. The first one's prayer, but the second one is money. Can we celebrate together that in the month of February, Elevation Church hungered and thirsted after righteousness in the area of money? It was our largest month ever. $18,000 were taken in uh, this last month. Can we praise the Lord for that? For those of you who are new, we're less than a year in this building, and we didn't even know if we'd make it this far because it was a budget blower. But we said, God, would you use Elevation Church? And he knew what we needed. We didn't have to pray for that part. He's provided every step of the way. Here's what righteousness says about money. It says, I am now funding the advancement of God's kingdom. And you may want to write this word down because this is the key word. It's dependence. Dependence. You see, we can tell if we're hungering and thirsting after righteousness in the area of money 
by where we put our money. And it shows what we depend on to fill our every need in this life. It really does. You will be able to tell what you're depending on for your fulfillment by where your money is going. <laughs> Matthew 6:24, Jesus said this. You may say, Dave, why are you talking about money when it says righteousness? Well, Jesus, here in the Sermon on the Mount, same passage of the Bible, he says, no one can serve two masters, for you will either love the one or you'll hate the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both who? Who are the two? God and money. You can't do it. You see, many people chase money in this life. And we start to do earthly things with it. And we accomplish great things. We build big buildings. We have lots of Christmas presents. But you know what ends up happening? We end up being people who get sour toward the church. Now, if you're new today and you're saying, oh, no, pastor's talking about money, hear me out for a second. We're willing to fund everything on this planet, aren't we? We will fund anything. We'll fund Popeye's. Do you know that Popeye's chicken, which, by the way, if you prayed for Popeye's, that was your earthly request? You're four-part spiritual, one-part earthly? Bless you. <laughs> Bless you. We have a Popeye's now. But do you know that Popeye's had a $30,000 truck full of food show up for opening day. I wanted some really bad until I saw the hour-long drive through line. But there were people who were willing to wait an hour sitting in their car, doing nothing, mad at each other, slapping the kids, right? So they could give Popeye's chicken 40 bucks. We'll fund anything. We'll fund a car company. At the highest level, oh, i got to get the best car. I don't care if it costs 5000 more. I'm going to fund it. We'll fund Walmart like crazy. We'll walk in and with the grocery list, and somehow we, we spend $100 extra, right, because of just what we want, and we're willing to let the Walton family become filthy. You know what I'm saying? We're willing to do it, and we go, oh, that's okay. It, it kind of makes me happy. I needed it. That's temporary. But when it comes to God's kingdom, we think, Oh, well, the church just wants the money. Oh, well, you know, the pastor just wants a raise. But this is not hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Hungering and thirsting after righteousness says, my first priority is funding the advancement of God's kingdom. Do you know, there could be a missionary that maybe you have a friend, who knows, maybe a family member who needs your financial support, not just at church, uh, some of you, I know, I've heard, are using your money to help feed some homeless people. Spot on. That's true religion. Some of you, God may call to fund an orphan to come into your house and adopt them for the kingdom of God. And see, when we hunger and thirst after righteousness, it affects our prayer life, but it really meddles and affects our money. Because now we start to think kingdom thoughts. Where is the money going? But I know this. Um, we have to put our finances in order because many of us are spending frivolously and coming and there's more month than there is uh, money. But we have to put it in order. Some of you can break generational greed by how you advance God's kingdom. Some of you can advance, gener can advance from generational laziness by saying, you know what, I'm going to get and hold down a job and be the best employee I can be so that I can advance the kingdom of God. Some of you 
may say, I'm going to protect the unborn child, and you may give without anyone at church knowing to support Levine. God's kingdom requires us to hunger and thirst after righteousness and put our money where our prayers is. Oddly enough, it's the one thing that you can give away, and Scripture says, when you hunger and thirst after righteousness, say it with me, you will be what? Filled. It's the one thing. But after prayer and money, we come to this third area. And it's the area of people. I'm going to say this really slowly for effect. People suck (laughs) the life out of you. They really do. They really do. Even the people you love, right? It's funny. Sometimes you walk in and you think, man, why is the person I love the most sucking the most life out of me? And you know what it does is it kills our hunger and our thirst for righteousness and how we act toward these people. But when we hunger and thirst for righteousness... In the area of people, righteousness says this. My actions toward others now mirror my Savior. Here's the, key, here's the key. While on the cross. Jesus, in his most painful moment, when the weight of all of our sin held him to the cross, he could have looked out and stopped his hunger for righteousness and said, you know what? I'm perfect I am God. I, I have no right or reason to be up on this cross. And he could have done a myriad of things to reinflict pain back on the people who put him on the cross. But that's not what he did. Jesus had a kingdom purpose. He hungered and thirsted not only for his own righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, but he hungered and thirsted that other people might experience the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so he treated people who put him in difficult positions with love. What did Jesus do during his lifetime? He healed people, right? He closed the gap. Remember uh, the Lord's Prayer, on earth as it is in heaven? He brought a taste of heaven to the people around him and could love them no matter what. Let me ask you a question. Are you applying a hunger and thirst for God's standards toward the people around you? Will you stand up and lay a righteous standard in your household? Will you treat the person that you dislike with utter respect so that they might see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven? Will you ultimately do what what Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 12? Do to others whatever you would have them do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Do you want to know how to be fulfilled? It's to hunger for righteousness toward other people so that you can do to others as you would have them do to you. Do you know what Jesus did? He gave it all to all of us. How much? All to all of us that we might be saved so that we may give him back all. Even the people that trouble us and we treat them in a way that they may not deserve. But why do we do it now? Because we're giving back glory to God. 
with how we treat other people. So you're here. You're saying, I get it. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. I'll be filled. This is how I'm satisfied. This is the real meat, the the course of life spiritually that I need to grab onto, to, to hunger for God's standard. I get it. But where do I start? Very simple. Write this down. Apply one standard to every area of your life. One standard to every area of your life. And choose the one of Christ in his word. This is called the righteousness of Christ. One standard. Here's the opposite. I will choose a different standard for each area of my life. Do you know what that's called? It's called self-righteousness. I will pick what I think is going to work in whatever area I come across in my life. For instance, we will stop and uh, we'll say, God, when it comes to my money and my business deals, I'm going to choose an ethic where I'll cut a corner so that I can line my pocket just a little bit more. Why? Because I can get ahead and maybe I can get a promotion and my boss will be proud of me. I'll choose that ethic and said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and, and choose divorce. Or I'm going to go ahead and choose another person outside of my marriage because you know what? I like my marriage a little bit and, and I really don't want to lose it. But over here what I'll do is I'll choose a different standard and I'll go and try to fulfill myself and satisfy myself with someone outside or a picture outside. We'll choose different standards and that's self-righteousness. And this is what we often all fall into. But here's the truth. It does not work. We apply one standard, that's the standard of Jesus' righteousness and perfection to every area of our life, and this will cause you to do two things. I kind of have them backwards up on the screen. Let's do the first one, conform. Conform. This is a place where you will stop fighting God. You're going to stop fighting God and take the next step. It may be baptism, being baptized in the right order by immersion. It might be that you're going to take the next step and fall in line with God's righteousness and clean up your language. It might be you're going to take the next step of reading your Bible every day. It might be that you're going to conform to God's righteousness by caring about the church enough and his kingdom to serve. It might be that you're going to conform to God's righteousness by having a family devotion saying, I'm going to be like Jesus and, and care about the righteousness of my family and I'm going to lead my family to hunger and thirst after the things of God. I don't know where you have to conform. That's a little thing. But here is the big thing. Are you all ready for me to preach for a second? Are you ready? Because this is the big thing right here. I need a little encouragement. Are you ready for me to preach? Because this is it. This is where righteousness really fills you, and it's on this word when you apply one standard to every situation in life. We transform We transform. This is a question of our identity, our very nature of who we are. It is no longer Dave the chubby kid who struggles with his weight, but it's Dave who rests in Christ's righteousness. See, you may be the person who is the cheater, but it's no longer the cheater. When you hunger and thirst for God's righteousness, you're saying, God, transform me. I'm going from cheating to now I'm going to be a person of the truth and a person of loyalty and a person of commitment. This is what I will do. That's what righteousness says. That's what one standard does. 
You know, one standard says that I am no longer a person who's defined by the mistakes of my past. Even though you may be living with the consequences, you now know I am righteous in Christ. You have to transform. You may be a person in here who's thinking you've never won anything and you have to move forward and and become a winner. Guess what? You don't. All you have to do is pursue the righteousness of Christ and you win. The Bible says when you're transformed, you will be satisfied. You know why? Because he became sin. Who knew no sin? That we could be called righteous in his sight. And when we get that, when we transform and say, God, I'm going to apply your one standard to my life. I'm not going to apply politics anymore to become uh, the opinion for what I think social issues should happen. It's your word. I'm not going to apply my past and, 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 and what I thought was right for me anymore. I'm going to conform to your righteousness when that happens. The Bible says you will be filled because righteousness has a name and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Do you believe that? His name is Jesus. Righteousness has a name. And when you know Jesus, you have a standard that even though you don't feel like you're hitting, Jesus steps in and he says, you have hit it, my child. And all of a sudden, all the things that you try to do that are making you fat, they fade away and you become fulfilled in this life. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be, what's it? Filled. I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes as we come to a time of response. Today, there are some of you who need to pray your first righteous prayer. You've been praying, give me's your whole life. And there's one miracle that you could never imagine could happen. But if you pray and ask God, it can, and it's the prayer of salvation. To say, God, today, I know I'm a sinner, and I've been praying that you help me with everything on the planet but I've never been fulfilled, and today I want to be fulfilled. And so, God, today I will confess my sin before you. I will depend on your finished work on the cross, that you became sin even though you knew no sin, that I might become your righteousness. Today you can find fulfillment in life like you've never known before if you'll simply step across the line of faith in Jesus Christ. Let me ask you today, how many of you would like to pray that righteous prayer to step across the line of faith for the first time? You're saying, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you raise your hand? No one looking around. Is there anyone like that who would say, I am ready to be fulfilled, to be satisfied like never before? Amen. Keep your hand raised just for a second. Awesome. If you're raising your hand, just the people who raise their hand, if you could look at me, just look at me. If you raise your hand, you're serious about this, look at me. I just want to talk with you just for a second. I want you to know that coming to Jesus Christ is the most satisfying thing in this life has to give. And today, if you're serious about it, here's how you 
can place your faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible simply says this. You can admit that you are a sinner. You can believe on the finished work on the cross of Jesus Christ and the blood he shed. And then see, you confess him as your Savior and as Lord, and you now live by his measuring stick, his standard. No longer ours, he's in control. You guys who are looking at me and you ladies who are looking, today here's what I want to ask you to do. If after service you could come out to the guest table or to Ministry Central and see me, or Cheryl is back there. Cheryl, if you'd wave, wave your hand. Cheryl's back there, uh, or Pastor Fred or, or Glenn. Uh, come see us. We want to help you with that decision personally. Don't walk out and let it just be something you did and you never come back to church again. Come and talk to somebody. Nail it down and get on the right track with God. Thank you. For the rest of us, I want to ask you in three areas. You may want to bring out your connection card and, and pray uh, and, and, and pray a prayer and write down something that you're giving to God. But there are three areas that you need to hunger and thirst in. Prayer, money, and people. Let me ask you, which one are you going to do this week? Are you going to start to up your game in prayer? Are you going to start to up your game in caring about God's kingdom in the area of money? Are you going to hunger and thirst after righteousness by treating someone who is treating you wrong? in a loving way as Jesus did on the cross. Which one will you leave today and begin to hunger and thirst after? Give that to God. I'm going to pray for us. And after I pray, Glenn will come. God, I want to thank you for today. God, I thank you for your spirit moving. I thank you, Jesus, that out of all the things that we could hunger and thirst after in this life, I thank you that you're the only one that's satisfied. And I thank you that I know you. Lord, and I know that this scripture is more true. Lord, is more real. Because through every circumstance in life, God, you've always fulfilled my life. And I thank you for that. God, I know that there's that testimony in here as well. God, would you help us to be a people who hunger and thirst after you. God, I thank you for the ones who want to make this day the day they step across the line of faith. God, would you send them off in a way to where they grow in you and they keep the measuring stick up against, uh, up against your word and evaluate their life and conform and transform into the image of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray these things today in your precious and holy and righteous name. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Please take a few moments to respond to today's message. If you make any decisions, email us, info at elevationbillings.com. find out more about our church, visit elevationbuildings.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.